Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, as you heard a moment ago, Brother John was up here, we're talking about missions conference, and um, we're kind of getting into the spirit of missions conference and getting ready for it to be here, getting ready to have guests, missionaries, and uh, to be challenged from God's Word in the area of missions. And so leading up to that, I thought I'd bring a couple of messages from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where we deal with the idea of grace giving, or what we call faith promise. And so if this is new for you, or if you haven't uh, heard a lot of preaching on this, then this is where the content of that teaching and the passage comes from. And uh, I don't claim to be the best speaker on on that subject, uh, but I think our understanding comes primarily from this text, and I want to look at it for the next uh, couple of weeks. And so tonight we'll get started. We'll kind of introduce these concepts and these thoughts and comment on that again next week. And we'll just ask the Lord to begin already, to just move our hearts, to show us what He'd have us do for this coming year in the area of missions. And we're just preparing our hearts a little bit for what God's going to do at the end of the month in our missions conference, right? We'll just uh, do a little planting and watering these next couple of weeks and and just kind of get the ground ready to receive what God has for us uh, through our speaker and the missionary testimonies and all that is shared uh, during the conference. So 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, when you found your place, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to have prayer, and then we'll begin reading in verse number 1. So we'll read a few verses together. Let's pray first. Father, how we love you tonight, and how we come just with hungry hearts, with eager minds, to the Scriptures tonight, wanting to see what you have for us in this coming year concerning missions. We're so thankful to be part of a church with a strong history of missions and mission work and giving, Lord, we appreciate the testimony that Brother John shared and the contributions over the last uh, 28 years, finishing up 28 years. Lord, we're thinking about the dollar amount, one, one and a half million dollars given to missions alone. And Lord, what a privilege that is, that those, those great numbers really signify a lot of work that's been put into this in years gone by, by many who've gone before us who are no longer here. But we thank you, Lord, for all of that effort, for all of the work that's gone into this, for the missionaries that have gone to the field and served, for the many souls that have been saved, churches that have been planted, lives that have been changed because of that. Lord, we just ask, beginning tonight and going right through our conference, that you would begin, even now, to speak to our hearts, to prepare us, to lead us and guide us toward the decisions that we'll make, the ways that you'll use us, Lord, in the future in this area of missions. Lord, not just in giving, but in our own going and praying and and all of the sowing that we do. We want to begin to think about the sowing effort, the investments that we're going to make. And Lord, this year we know that we're sowing for the harvest. One day in heaven we'll stand before you and the final tallies will come in and we'll know fully what the harvest has been. Lord, today... We gather anticipating another year of sowing. And we just ask you, Lord, to help us prepare our hearts for that as we do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. 
For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I want you to kind of notice verse 7 with me, if you will. Paul's writing about this subject of giving, and he says in verse 7, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and in utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace. He's talking about the grace of giving also. And so tonight I want to preach on the grace to give. Thank you. You may be seated. The grace to give. We normally think about giving as something we do. But when we come upon this idea of faith promise, we are learning from what Paul wrote about that this is something that we ask God to enable us to do. You see, because we are now about to combine what we can do with what God can do. And I like it when that happens. Because just like the songwriter said, little is much when God is in it. And I don't know about you, brethren, but I'd rather, I'd rather uh, combine what I can do with what God can do than to just have what I can do by itself. Wouldn't you? You remember the little story about the lad who had the lunch there and uh, everyone was so hungry and, and uh, the disciples said, you know, we don't have enough money to buy everybody a meal. Jesus saw the crowds were faintish and famished and and uh, then, then they said, well, here's a little boy that's, he's got a little lunch, but what is that among so many? And they brought the little lunch to Jesus, the five loaves and the two fish. And remember, when it was over, they picked up 12 baskets full of fragments. Why? Well, because they brought their little stuff, what they had, they brought it to the Lord, and God multiplied it. And, you know, I really believe that's what happens when we get involved in this thing of faith promise giving. You know, someone accurately said, we call it faith promise, but we really could call it grace giving because from our text, that's what it is. It's the grace to give. It's combining our efforts with God's will and his leading. We step out by faith and we perform by faith what God has laid on our heart to do. And then we watch as God multiplies it over and over again. Hey, how else do you explain how a church like this gives over one and a half million dollars to missions, right? It has to be that God was involved in doing that. And praise the Lord for such a wonderful testimony because when we get involved in that way, we see what God can do. I want us to look at this text tonight and just see a few things. Paul, his desire in verse 7 was that we abound not just in some areas of the Christian life, but in all of them. And he was highlighting this area of giving. See that ye abound in this grace also, the grace to give. And so let's talk about grace giving tonight. First of all, I'd like to answer the question, why give? Paul talks about the churches in Macedonia in verse 1. But I want you to remember, if you look up at the top of your page, 
He's writing to the church at Corinth. This is being presented to the Corinthians, not the Macedonians. So then why does Paul talk about them? The Macedonians become an object lesson. They become an illustration of this matter of grace giving that Paul is now teaching and and reinforcing in his uh, leadership in the Corinthian church. He's writing back to them because they too had desired to participate in this giving, but they had not yet performed or they had not yet given their offering. Paul was writing back in a way to remind them, but also to help prepare them so they wouldn't be embarrassed. And he was using an encouraging testimony of the Macedonian church and the believers there who gave to the Lord and how God had used their offering. So in preparation for the Corinthian church about to give their offering, Paul writes with this testimony and he reminds them of some things that fall under this question of why give? Why should we give? I want you to look at a few things in verse 1. I want you to see what Paul's writing to them. He says to the Corinthians that you should give, first of all, because others have given who were less able, less fortunate than you. And he tells them about the churches at Macedonia. So look, look what he says about them. He says about the churches of Macedonia in verse 1, how that in a great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty abounded unto their riches of their liberality. So he's saying these people gave generously. In the next verse, he says, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. So Paul is confessing to the Corinthians. He's saying, look, there are people less fortunate than you that have given in this offering, right? And he's saying, look, I looked at their offering and thought, wow, you can't afford to give this. And after hearing those numbers from Brother John tonight, I guess many would look at us and say the same thing. You can't afford to give, the, give like this. Right? So how are they doing that? Well, they were giving to the Lord, and they were giving because of God's grace. It was a situation where they had combined what they could give with what God could do, how he would lead them. And they stepped in faith in order to do that. And when it all came about, it was beyond their expectations what God had enabled them to do. Paul was astounded at this and really hesitated, not sure if he should even take it. Knowing in his own heart, this was beyond what they were capable of. In verse 4, he says, "Praying praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So these who had given now are saying, please take it. We want to get involved. We want to be part of this. And and you know, that should be our perspective when we give. Whatever cause we're giving to, we need to understand that when we give, we're making an investment in that. And we're becoming a part of that cause by supporting it. In this case tonight, we're talking about grace giving or faith promise. So we're talking about missions giving. And when you see those boats on the wall, when you, when you hear those letters presented week after week, whether they're from Mexico or Africa or Dominican Republic or wherever else around the world they are, understand that when you give to missions, you are becoming a part of that work. You're a partner. You have involvement. You've invested. 
And that's what they were saying. Hey, let us get involved. We want to be part of this fellowship of the ministering to the saints. We want to give in this way. And they said, Paul, you've got to receive our gift. You've got to take it. So why give? Because others have given who were less fortunate than you, less able than you. But not only that, number two, he said, you should give because Jesus gave for you. You know, when it comes to this point right here, boy, we, we all have to say amen, right? We know what Jesus did for us. Paul reminded the Corinthian church of that in verse 9. Look what he said. He said, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And Paul reminds them, look what Jesus, he gave it all for you. Couldn't you give now for him? Couldn't you give a little for the word of God? Couldn't you give a little so that other souls could come to know Christ like you have? So that other people could be saved and rejoice one day in heaven because you gave? You know, that's what we're doing when we get behind a missionary family and we support them so that they can go to the field. We're doing it because we know what Jesus did for us. And Paul is saying that's one of the reasons why we give because of what Jesus gave for you. In gratitude for the salvation that the Lord has given and all the other blessings that come with that, we generously give. Number three, he said, why give? Well, because, he said, because you said you would. And you know, you kind of have to say ouch sometimes because how many times do we have good intentions but we don't follow through all the way? This is what happened to the Corinthians. A year ago, they had made a faith promise, but they never gave it. And Paul is having to say, <clears throat> um, before they come for your offering, let me remind you that you promised a year ago. Let me tell you about the Macedonians who are less fortunate than you, and they've already given, and they gave such a great gift. And, and let me remind you of what Jesus has done for you. He's saying all of this so that they'll be prepared when the time comes to receive the offering, have their gift ready and be a part of what God is doing in the churches. Paul was not just a missionary. It would be awkward, wouldn't it, for a missionary to show up at the missions conference and say, hey, church, you know, y'all promised a year ago to take me on. Well, uh, hello, I'd like to get some of that. <laughs> That'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? Well, Paul wasn't the missionary who was showing up to receive the support. Really what Paul was, you've got to understand, Paul was the founding pastor. He, he was the father figure in the faith, the one who had led these people to the Lord and taught them about giving in the first place. And as that fatherly, pastorly figure, Paul was now writing back to encourage them and also to remind them of their obligation that they had made a year ago. He was trying to coach them, if you will, to give them some spiritual understanding into the reasons why we're doing this in the first place, stirring their hearts once again, reminding them of the opportunity and the reward that would be involved in, in giving. So he says in verse 10, he said, And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also be forward a year ago. Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. 
So Paul is saying, he's just reminding them, listen, this is beneficial for you to get involved and to give and to follow through on your commitment and your promise. He says some other things that we'll come back to, but he just reminds them, you know, you made an obligation, now perform the doing of it. Follow through with that, with those good intentions you had a year ago, and and remember your faith promise. So why do we give? Well, he talks about some things in the text. Because others have given who are less uh, able than you, because Jesus gave for you, and because you said you would a year ago. Those are the things that he dealt with in these verses. He's trying to set them up for success. He's trying to position them to be ready when it's time to give the offering. But look at what he said about how to give. I thought this was interesting as well. When we give to the Lord's work, how do we do it? What is God looking at when we give? Is it all dollar signs and decimal points? And the answer to that would be no, no it isn't. I remember, um, I just lost his name. I remember Crown Financial. uh, Larry Burkett was one of the Christian financial guys that used to talk about the Lord and giving and, and, uh, you know, all different kind of things when it comes to being a good steward as a Christian with your money. One of the things that Larry Burkett used to say, and, and I do agree with the spirit of this statement, he would say, God is not an accountant. It's not all dollar signs and decimal points with God. Now, I agree with the spirit of that because what he really meant is that God has a practical sense of what we're able to do, and he understands our position, you know, and and all of that. And I think that's in line with what Paul is teaching here. But on the other hand, God is the master accountant. He he created accounting, and, and from God flows all of the order of things. God is the reason why our universe is so balanced and so orderly. And, and so, hey, let's, let's not act as if God has no, no knowledge of that order. He certainly does. But thankfully, God doesn't rule by that and that God allows a little bit of, you know, fl- fluctuation there uh, sometimes because we sometimes have bigger intentions than we have wallets, right? The idea with faith promise, though, is that we give from our wallet. Because he said in verse number 12, actually 11 and 12, how do we give? Well, he talks about giving personally. Verse 11 says, Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, talking about good intentions, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So really what Paul's dealing with here is our giving. And he says, how do we give the missions? How how does this faith promise work? He said, well, you give personally and and you give out of what you have. So you look at your budget, you look at your finances, you look at your income, you look at what you know you have, and you start to ask God to lead you to an amount. Lord, how much should I give to missions? I've always believed and practiced, uh, you know, the, the, the giving to the local church as, as a tithe. And so we understand that missions would be on top of what you give to your church. It would not be a part of or, or a replacement of that. It would be in addition to what you give to your local church. So you have your local church giving, and now you're going to have your missions giving to consider. Just as you would pray about the one, you would now pray about the other. God, how much would you have? 
How much would you have me give to missions? You determine that amount based on what you have and based on how God leads you with what you have. And you determine an amount. During the conference, actually on the Sunday morning of the conference, we'll actually ask you to turn that amount in, which is why we want to start praying now about what that's going to be. And you'll be turning in a number that you and God have talked about and you've prayed about and that you've come to settle on. I think God's leading me to give X number of dollars to missions this year. And you'll write that down and we'll and then from that, we'll be able to tally it all up together and, and we'll have a total. And that's how we make a budget for the year. That's how we know how many missionaries we can support and any projects that we can be a part of and those kind of things. But giving is personal. It's where we get alone with God and say, Lord, lead me. I'm looking at what I have, and I'm going to trust you in this amount, whatever you lay on my heart to give. It needs to be a practical amount. It needs to be a realistic amount. Why? Because once we decide that, Paul said there should be a performance out of that which you have. We not only have to promise it, we have to give it, right? So that's why it's got to be a real number. It's got to be a practical number. It's got to be out of what we have because once we turn that card in, then the missionary is going to depend on us every Sunday to put that in the plate, right? And, and they're going to the field based on that promise of support. So why do we call it a faith promise? Well, first of all, because that, that amount is determined by faith between us and the Lord. Second of all, because we know that when we give our monetary resources... We know that we're diminishing what we have available to take care of needs at home. And what are we going to do about that? Well, we're going to trust God to help us with those needs at home. Speaking of that, if you turn over to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, Paul wrote to the Philippians who had given generously to mission work. And because they did, they now had their own some of their own needs and look what Paul wrote back to them in verse 19 Philippians 4:19 says but my god shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus now guess what that promise was intended for those who had given that's a giver's promise right there so if if we hold back and we don't give guess what <laughs> god's not obligated Take care of those needs. Now, it's, it's, it's awesome that God loves us anyway. And sometimes even when we don't do what we should do, God still takes care of us. Just like he did the children of Israel while they were wandering around in the wilderness. You know, they were out of the will of God for those 40 years in the wilderness. God still took care of them. He still fed them and clothed them and all of that. Still took care of them. Praise God. But, but that's not where I want to be, Right? I want to be on the other end, in the will of God, giving, being a part of that, and, 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 and when need be, seeing God meet my needs because I gave. And that's a promise that you can hold dear. Paul said this faith promise, this grace giving, starts with what you have, and you make a promise based on that, a realistic number that you and God agree on that you're going to give, and then when need be, God will take care of your needs because you gave. Hey, isn't that good? Isn't that a good promise? How do we give? Well, we give personally out of what we have. But also, Paul said, we should give willingly. Notice verse number three. We're going to skip through this chapter and just look at what Paul said down through here. 
He said, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. This whole chapter, actually both 8 and 9, they're happy chapters. You can just kind of feel it as you read the chapter. But I'm going to tell you why. It's because they gave willingly. Nobody twisted their arm. Nobody had to talk them into it. As a matter of fact, they were twisting Paul's arm. Hey, take this. Take it. We, we want to give. Beautiful picture of willingness. Notice verse number five. And to this, or excuse me, and this they did, not as we hoped. He's saying they went beyond that. But first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Man, they gave their heart to the Lord and then they gave it to missions. And no wonder then they were so generous, so excited about the opportunity to give, to get involved in what God was doing because they understood the purpose of missions. And Paul said this all came from the heart. This is willingly, this is stuff they did from the heart. You and I should give that same way. Look at verse 11. He said, now therefore perform the doing of it that as there was a readiness to will, that's your willingness, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. So that's where the willingness comes into action. Verse 12, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So that means when you set your faith promise amount, set an amount willingly. And don't create this, this huge fictitious number that's impossible. Don't, don't say, I'm going to give a million dollars to missions. Well, I'm sure any of us would give a million dollars if we could, right? I'd love to be able to give a million dollars to missions. Anybody else with me right there? Amen. <laughs> but look, that's not realistic. So what do we do? We go back to what we have and we say, Lord, would you lead me? Would you just impress upon my heart? Show me how much you'd have me give to missions based on my budget, my income, what I have. And that's how it works, willingly. Willingly giving. That's where the joy comes from. That's where the excitement comes from. And brethren, that's where the rewards come from. Why? Well, it's because of the next point. How do we give? We give personally out of what we have. We give willingly from the heart. But notice what Paul said in number three. In chapter nine, verses six and seven, let's turn over there. Paul writes this. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now let me stop for a minute and explain that. When we say sparingly, we're not talking about a small dollar amount. I want you to understand that. We're not talking, sparingly doesn't mean a low number. Sparingly means it kind of has the idea of a miser, a penny pincher. You know, somebody who's a little, um, man, when I grew up in the Tex-Mex word is chinchy, you know, like tight. That's sparingly. Sparingly, like a little pinch, like I've got a whole container, but I'm going to give you a little pinch. That's sparingly. He who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Now, how do we know this? Because remember the day that Jesus called the disciples over? He said, hey, fellas, hey, come here, come here, come here. He said, look, he said, look, see that widow woman over there? Watch, watch, look, look, everybody's given their offering. He said, listen, cling. You hear those two mites? 
he said, hey boys, let me tell you this. That lady right there just gave more than everybody else in the room. And I'm sure they went, what? She just put in two cents. He said, yeah, but she put in everything she had. You see? And the Lord said she gave more than everyone else because he was, he was looking proportionately at what she had compared to what she gave. And when you do that same proportionate look at the others, they gave a little pinch of what they had. She gave all that she had. And he was saying to the disciples, she gave a huge gift. She gave more than everybody. And that's what this verse means. He that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. But he that sows bountifully. Look, you can be a bountiful giver even if you don't have much to give. But you're not tight with it. You say, God, you show me how much and I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm going to put it in. So you can sow bountifully regardless of the amount. Remember, we're going back to that accounting thing. God's not, it's not all dollar signs and decimal points with God. He's looking at the portions. He's looking at proportionately at, at what you give compared to what you have. And God knows who the big givers are. You know, we get it wrong. We think the big givers are the rich people. And oftentimes, they're, they're the ones that are just given a pinch. You say, yeah, but did you see that? You see where that decimal point is? Whoa. But God says, yeah, but that was nothing compared to what they could have done. God sees what's left. And he knows who's tight, and he knows who's generous. And God is the one who judges this. He said, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. So I'm, I'm telling you this, and I'm spending a little time here because I want you to know right from the outset, it doesn't matter if you think your offering is small. It doesn't matter if you think the amount that you settle on maybe isn't as large as someone else's. Hey, don't worry about all that. You just be generous. You do what God leads you to do. And regardless of what that dollar sign or that decimal point looks like, you can be a bountiful giver when you give to God's work. You and God make a majority, and when you combine what you can do with what God can do, you'll be surprised at what the results might be. Proportionately. You know what the Bible says in verse 7? It says, every man, as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, out of obligation. No, 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 no. Hey, listen, I want you to know we're going to have a missions conference. And there's no obligation. No, nobody's going to be looking over your shoulder as you fill out your card. We're not going to ask you to write your name on it or nothing like that. There's no obligation. Because this grace giving, this faith promise we're talking about, this should be something that we do from our heart to the Lord, and we don't do it out of necessity or grudgingly. Notice what it says in verse 7, For God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, I believe God watches our heart as we give, and, and he gets excited when we rejoice like those Macedonian Christians. We rejoice to have the opportunity to get involved in what God is doing in missions. Hey, that's faith promise. 
That's how it works. That's what it's all about. How about you tonight? Are you looking for an opportunity? Do you love God? This is one of those ways that you can bless God's heart by just happily giving to his work. You know, all of this passage deals with missions giving. This is not talking about giving to support the local church. This whole passage and all of these principles, these these have to do with supporting missionaries. It's interesting that, that Paul often himself worked and supported himself by trade. And he did that for a reason. That's another message. But all the while, God's principle has been, they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Don't leave the word of out. They that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. That means they should be supported by the gospel. It's right to do that. But I'm going to tell you what, every preacher that's worth his salt doesn't like preaching that. Paul didn't. And so by not taking an offering from, not taking support from the churches he started, he was able to teach them that and do so freely with no strings attached so that people would never misunderstand his message and think that it was something selfish on his behalf that he was teaching them. Because sometimes it, it just feels like that. Uh, sometimes it, you know, the way people respond, it, it kind of looks like that. But this is the system that God created. These are the methods that we get from the word of God. And Paul is writing back to teach the Corinthian church and show them, hey, here's your opportunity. It's like the drum is rolling. You know, here it is. Hey, guys, this is your chance. They're coming to receive the offering, and I'm writing this to prepare you. Here it is. It's time. Look what the Macedonians have done. Hey, take, take their example and just give from the heart. He's telling them, look, last minute, this is here. Just give out of what you have. Quit waiting on this big thing so that you can give this large amount. Just do what God tells you. It'll be okay. You know, sometimes I'm amazed. We, we look at our giving from week to week. It just doesn't seem to be a whole lot. But then at the end of the year, you look and say, wow, man, it added up. Look what I gave for the whole year. It certainly is like that for missions. Didn't you think so when Brother John gave that number? 28 years, one and a half million dollars. Wow. Yeah, it adds up, doesn't it? Especially when we're all part of it. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's us. And we all work together and we all give. We commission and send these to go and look what God does. In the coming years and months, we want to have some other numbers. Brother John and I are going to be tracking salvations and baptisms and church plants and all of that stuff because, you know, really, that's the kind of stuff we ought to be rejoicing about. Really, I think more than the, the amount of money we gave, that's good. But we should see what it did. We got a report card from the Smite camp, Brother Jerry Pertell. And he gave a report card of the last year. And down at the bottom, you can see how many souls were saved through the whole year as, an, as a result of your investment in the Smite Camp program. Oh, it's awesome. I'm not going to tell you what it is because you're going to hear the report pretty soon. I don't want to steal the thunder. Brother John will give it to you soon. It'll be great. But you know, it's exciting, isn't it? Just to know we're making a difference. 
As dark as the world seems, we're reaching some people. There are people coming to Jesus, and it's wonderful to be a part of that. That's why the Macedonians said, oh, you've got to take this offering. You've got to receive this gift. Hey, we want to be a part. They said, don't you rob us of a blessing. We're going to give this. Hey, this year, this month, starting this week, ask God what he wants you to give. And get in on it. Be a part of what God is going to do in the area of missions. Faith promise in the year 2023. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you so much for multiplying our abilities, our resources, our talents. Uh, Lord, our efforts. We know that without you, we could do nothing. But with you, oh Lord, there's no end to where these investments will lead. There's no end to the counting of the harvest that will come because we partner with you in obedience, in faith, step out and and trust you and give as you lead us. It's great to hear back the ways that these investments are paying off and the people that are being helped and saved and blessed, how we rejoice every time we hear those good reports. And Lord, tonight, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of it. And we begin tonight asking you, Lord, to lead us, to guide us, to impress upon our hearts. Lord, show us what you'd have us do for missions this coming year. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, let me remind you right here at the top of your bulletin on the right-hand side is the dates for our missions conference, February 22nd through the 26th. That's Wednesday through Sunday. So it's really like half a week It's going to feel like a whole week, though. So just mark your calendar, get ready, try to keep the dates clear. You'll want to be here every night. We have a missionary that's going to present his ministry, share the Word of God with us, and then we have Brother Joe Consford, our main speaker, that'll preach to us. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a real blessing. I hope you'll be here every night. Our verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And, you know, we have reaped bountiful blessings. Our church has been bountifully blessed. Uh, and, I, and I know that it's going to be the same in the coming year. We're, our theme is sowing for the harvest. And that's what we have to remember. When we give, we're sowing. We're planting seeds. We're making an investment. And uh, we know God's going to use it uh, in, in multiplied ways. And we thank the Lord for that.